People recognise we're more separate than ever, and I think what people want is a true sense of belonging. Mm. Um, a true sense of belonging where they feel like they're seen, they're heard, they feel safe. Um, so for me, you know, formulating the, the Wolfpack men's community was getting in connection with nature. You know, look a lot. You know, a lot world does spend time in four walls, in offices, in, and we've lost connection to to mother nature. Rick is a transformational men's coach. He helps men uncover the unconscious patterns that hold them back to then go on and live life fully with purpose and an open heart. The creator of the Wolfpack, a men's community in Brighton, where Rick facilitates a safe space for men to come together and talk, share and express, leaving energised with a sense of belonging. He also is the co-founder of The Untamed Man, which is a one-day workshop, an environment where men learn to express themselves fully understand how to use anger in a healthy way to drive discipline, create boundaries and have the fire to drive into purpose whilst also gaining tools to live with calmness and presence. A father and husband, Rick is a devoted family man. Aside from coaching, we can find him spending time in the outdoors, paddleboarding, swimming or working out. Hello and welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. My name is Nicola Scott and I will be your host. Um, Rick, thanks so much for joining me on the Refreshing Change podcast. Welcome. Thanks so much, Nick. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to be invited. It's about time you got this going as well. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) long overdue. Um, Rick, I'm going to hand over to you in a second to give a bit of a background of yourself so so the listeners feel like they know you. Um, But we've known each other for a couple of years um, and you, or I was going to say you came into my world, we came into each other's world through, I suppose, coaching CPD network. um where we're both coaches and there was an opportunity to learn from one another build a community and network and we we kind of connected through that and um yeah I've loved watching your journey over the last couple of years so do you want to fill the listeners in on who you are and what you're all about cool blimey yeah um so Rick Cooper um who am I such an ambiguous question Nick isn't it because straight away everyone including myself wants to go straight to what you do and then you create your identity around what you do um, that's not who I am. I guess who I am is a, a husband, father, um, primarily. Um, they're the two roles that I cover the most in my life. Um, what I do is uh, I'm a men's coach. So I basically help men uncover the unconscious patterns that hold them back. Um, a lot of that is that, you know, they feel stuck or lack energy or motivation in life. They don't understand why, or they feel like they're, you know, they get to a point in life where, They've got everything, but they don't, it's not, they're not fulfilled. So they don't really know if they're in alignment and they don't know what the vision is next. So a lot of the time we go back and there's patterns behind all this, um, you know, through, through childhood, through life, through people who've been involved and then things elicit um, behaviors and emotional responses to different stimuli. So I locate all them um, to begin with in men and and then help them create a, a purpose value driven vision for their life. Um, That's pretty much what I do. I'm sure as we go in the podcast, I can elaborate more on that. Yeah, love it. Thank you. Sorry, you maybe just, I've just switched to earphone mode, so I hope you can still hear me. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, you crystal. As we're recording this, my neighbours decided to clean our flat in Hoover, so we're hoping the sound quality is going to be all right. But let's yeah. just roll with it. Let's just roll with it. You can't hear it, Nick, so you're good. Excellent. Um, so, Rick, the, the Refreshing Change podcast is obviously about change in people's lives and um, 
I try and bleed in, I suppose, my philosophy or concept or views of the, the world and how we make change, but how important has change been in your journey and how, how um, prominent a role has it played? Do you know what, Nick? I think change in my journey is, uh, at times, been often enforced. Um, mm -hmm. as often felt like it hasn't been a choice. Sometimes um, it has been my own doing. I guess, when I mean, going back on my life, you know, like I know you know this story, but for the listeners, it was um, being 19, 20, being a professional rugby player, breaking my spine and, and losing my legs uh, or use of my legs for a few a couple of years. You know, that was kind of like a, a very much an enforced change uh, emotionally and physically. Um, and then that path that that leads you to go down um, is completely differs from what you expect what you plan for yourself through them, your childhood, your teenage years and what you've got going through your mind. And I always find change is often something uncomfortable is always my reference point to it. I mean, I don't know if you know, I'm big into human design and I hate change. Like I'm very much like, like Emma, Mrs. C is always like, what's the matter with you? You know, like change, change happens. And I recognize it does. I'm just particular. I'm emotionally not very good with it. Um, but I'm big into human design. I, I know what my human design is. It's all about energies and chakras in your body and projections. And, and you find out what you are. And I'm, I'm what they call a gate four, six. And gate four, six um, is, the, is a very strong power of dislike for change. That for mm. me to have change, I have to have all my ducks in place first. So the transition's completely smooth. And when, when I learned that, um, I was like, okay, this makes a lot of fucking sense um this is that is actually fine for me not to like change um but I, I generally believe it's a catalyst for growth i really i generally believe when when you find an edge or find your own edge change is always there and it's all it always seems to be the gateway of growth mm. of oh, some awesome. of some degree yeah. often often dressed up as as pain um but it's like a butterfly, a butterfly coming from the chrysalis. You, it's got to fight its way through. Um, and amongst that, amongst that is, is the ability to open your wings. Love that. God, so many golden nuggets. Um, I love that. And we need to have a chat off air about human design because I'm, I'm fascinated about it. But okay. um, that knowing, one of, the, one of the key pillars of, of the framework I've created is about deeply knowing yourself. And it's that you know if you know your human design you can then understand like you said how how and why you feel the way you do about change and then any I suppose using that that insight and and evidence and data to then be like right well if any change I'm going to make I am going to get all my ducks in the row and that's just how I process and deal with change it, it's empowering when you know yourself at a really deep level isn't it um yeah ridiculously so do you know what yeah. Nick, I know when we first met a couple of years ago and I mean, it's not blowing smoke up my own. It's, this is blowing smoke up my own arse. This is um, how life can sometimes influence what you know about yourself, but your head takes over from your heart. Um, I used to think I went to be like the next Tony Robbins, the English Tony Robbins, speak in front of 20, 50,000 people, you know, hold these week long, incredible seminars, wanted to be known worldwide, you know, wanted to kind of be famous in the coaching space. Mm -hmm. But something in my heart was always in my gut. It was just always like, oh, it's almost like this. Oh, I'm uncomfortable with that. But it's all right. That's that's because it's, it's big. It's big thinking. And when I went through human design and going through the Gallup testing of finding your strengths and talents and your gifts and really looking closely at my life, I was like, do you know what? 
what I do really love more than anything else is cultivating meaningful, intimate relationships that actually is society's path of success is this fame, fortune, be known to the masses. But really for me, my success story for life is creating an impact in people's life around me. And I've yet to meet anyone that sits in 50,000 people arenas that has the impact in their life from a speaker talking at them because experience isn't intimate. It's not personalized. So it's always a very short lived uh, motivation in their life rather than a, an impactful life event. Um, so it was like, once I knew myself, I was like, fuck, I just need to stay in my lane, mm-hmm. like create, create community, create brilliant one-to-one experiences, you know, really harness and foster relationships in a smaller circle rather than following someone else's storyline yeah this wasn't planned at all Rick but you just (laughs) you've gone from like the my first pillar which is about deeply knowing yourself to the second pillar which is about understanding what you deeply desire because I think so many people um are on this path because we think that we want something but that knowing yourself at a deep level is the gateway to be like check and challenge like you've done like I, I think I want this thing but why do I want it like does it align with who I am and what I'm all about um so I love that I didn't even plan that and there we go <laughs> um so we've also known each other for a couple of years and one of the observations that I shared with you the last time we caught up was around I suppose how what I perceive to be a real softening of yourself and almost that just describes what you you were saying there about that whole you know for those people out there listening that know and have heard of Tony Robbins he is quite a wildly energetic maybe in my own opinion slightly aggressive sometimes type manly energy really masculine um but I have seen a real softening in you and what you were describing there around that cultivating meaningful relationships that's so beautiful so what what has taken you on that journey and um yeah, what's it look like for you, that kind of softening? In one sentence, Nick, um, taking off the mask. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's taking off the mask of um, wanting to be seen as like a powerful guy, wanting to hold strong space, um, wanting to try and project myself in the world, not wanting to show that I'm I'm too vulnerable. And I think probably repositioning my own thoughts on leadership, you know, like anyone that coaches is a leader, as, as in my opinion, you know, you, you stand next to someone, you put your arm around them and you go on a journey together, but ultimately, you know, you're a resource for that person and they pick you, that person picks us for a reason. <clears throat> and I've realized that, especially the last 12 months, actually in my heart for you know for the, all the exterior of a shaved head you know you know quite athletically built covered in tattoos um I guess I was living into the stigma of what that came with and I'd never designed my look around the stigma I just mm-hmm. had my look because it's what it's a byproduct of my beliefs my systems not because I was like oh I want to cover myself in tattoos I want a, a muscular body and shave my head because that means this it's, it's always been a byproduct and I think I just fell into the trap of paying attention to the stigma and listening to people be like, yeah, you know, like people just for a better sense of a word, like 
Uh, I was going to be really crude then, so I won't. Um, <laughs> people patting me on the back, being like, yeah, you're powerful, Rick. Yeah, you've got this massive aura. You've got this, you've got that. And I think I played into it. And mm. it took a lot of time to sit there and go, I'm actually a really soft, playful man, um, you know, that has a part of him that can be deeply masculine and uh, forthright. But most of me is actually playful, mm-hmm. you know, and, and don't get me wrong, Nick, you know, like I know my boundaries. Uh, I'm strong about my boundaries. I'm disciplined where I need to be disciplined. Um, but equally, you ask any guy that spends any time with me, any girl that I meet, you'll never get a handshake. You always get a hug. You know, mm-hmm. you'll equally, I'll, I'll hug you and I can cry with you. But equally, I will tell you when I've, I'll tell you my truth. And if I think you call, if I, if I can call that bullshit, you know, at the same time. And I can do that lovingly rather than be one of these people on, on socials that I see more and more of now where they feel like if they can um, take an alpha approach and, and swear and almost border on bullying, it's also, it's, it seems to have come like quite a popular thing on socials where it's okay to be like, yeah, fucking, you know, do this and, and do that. And, and it, I guess for me, it's been like coming back into like a fathering energy. Mm rather than this boy psychology that you generally see in in young men in their 20s sometimes early 30s I experience this boy psychology of needing to be seen needing to be heard putting a tough guy mask on to protect himself mm-hmm. and I guess it's more for me has become the complete unraveling of trying to come to my heart rather than lead from my head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I suppose that um you know there's the analogy of shifting years came into my mind when you're saying about being playful but also being able to call out the bullshit and you know be able to be strong and there for people but also to cry and share your emotions so it's that I think it'll be interesting to get your take on this but I think as humans we kind of think that we should be one thing and that's how we should be all the time but actually we're a range of emotions we're a a, an array of feelings and thoughts will go through our mind on a daily weekly monthly basis so it's I suppose it's been allowed or being able to identify what our different emotions are and then being able I suppose to express them isn't it and what you've described is I suppose shifting gear quite a bit and being able to tap into some of those maybe more what are deemed as maybe more vulnerable emotions to share and to be able to express um does that ring true yeah do you know what I'd probably for me it's not because it's shifting gear it's a case of um being healthily integrated Mm. is the way i look at it is um and i found this when i first got in the self-development world i remember i was sitting there with emma actually sitting on the beach and we met like probably god over about three weeks probably about 20 coaches and yogis and meditation like gurus and i was like i remember sitting on the beach saying to emma what the fuck like everyone's an absolute i'll say this because this is an old me i remember saying what is it with all these blokes like they're absolute pussies like they've got no zest about them no i remember my phrase was this where's where's all the spunk in this 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 like area of life this life coaching thing seems to have lost all its spunk in in men and um and you know what it was looking back i'm like all them people i met we're going down the path and they didn't accept that there is another part of us. There's so many parts of us that it's, it's having the awareness to recognize you're not all of one thing. 
Mm-hmm. We're we're made up of many things, and we can't if we deny them, we put them into our shadow. There are parts of us we don't want to look at. There are parts of us where we start to inform the ego of thinking, oh, I'm not that, so it must mean that I'm better than so and so. And then we put these things more and more deeper into our shadow that we don't want to look at. And then we have a, a deeper sense of non-acceptance to them. So we start to gravitate towards I'm a one of this rather than actually I'll look at my shadows because they are my shadows. Because like anything, everything is a is an axis of a polar continuum. You know, like we can't be an angry person. Like you can't label yourself an angry person. So I'll say we can't have anger without knowing that actually we have calm as well. Mm. Like you can't have calm. You can't be a calm person as well and go, I don't, I don't have, I don't have anger. Bullshit. Like they're both polar, polar opposites of the same continuum. So you can't have one without the other. You know, you can't have shadow, shadow self without having a light, a light self, you know? And, and I think it's that it's, it's been doing the work to become acutely aware that we have multiple parts of us and, and, and then seeking guidance to see, okay, how can I integrate these to become more full, to become, mm-hmm. to feel more of a oneness with myself? Mm-hmm. and I suppose that you know if we like we just said at the beginning if we if we deny aspects of ourselves then we we're going down the path of what we desire but without all the full information about who we are right so you might never have had the the insight or um the changing lanes a little bit for that you know softer intimate connection you might have still been chasing going after the big speaking in front of twenty thousand people and you could have arrived there and thought well I'd this isn't light me up I don't feel fulfilled so it's that you know if we deny aspects of ourselves and knowing who we are then we're kind of going in a little bit blind aren't we in terms of what we want to create and how we want to show up and what we want to I suppose um yeah do or have or be in this world yeah I really like that Nick really love how you just like pull that analogy to life I do really like that and I think the word the two words that that come informed with so not informed the two words come to me with that is is um we end up making like misinformed decisions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um rather than making ourselves psychologically well first of all psychologically safe to to become psychologically informed in our decision making models yeah amazing yeah um in terms of that and you you used you said it a bit earlier around um like boyish psychology and i, I do think this is just a fascinating subject but why do you think and this is maybe i suppose a generalized sweeping um stereotypes sort of statement i'm going to make but it's probably quite commonly known that men find it harder to express themselves than women a do you find that to be true and b like why is that the case and what i suppose what's the impact of that i'm going to say yeah i do think men are more challenged at doing that i don't think it's like is that men are definitely more challenged and it's so deep and so vast um around this and it's i know this i know you've got i know we're going to allude to some other some other really good questions you've got next some of these might cross over okay a, a lot of it is like you look at a, a young lad's a young lad's boyhood and if you look at unconsciously without even thinking everything he observes without um without thought if you watch tv and we've got a seven-year-old and i'm so aware of it now 
but you watch everything i'm like literally every bit of information he's watching every cartoon every film dresses nearly every theme every male sorry figure there's always an a uh, an icon in it now, someone leads it and that someone 90 percent of the time tends to be a character whether it's hulk whether it's he-man whether it's sonic the hedgehog like it doesn't matter every single one of them shows a guy that first of all is is dispensable so we learn from such a young age that unlike women who I'm not saying this is their purpose but they're initiated with their first bleed and by giving birth so they find initiation in life anyway um and what we inherently start to realize as boys is that we're dispensable the world pretty much doesn't really need us um you know we we come we go we're sent to war you know babies are still going to be produced no matter whether there's 10 men in the world or 10 million men in the world you know there's the ability for women to to produce life so we realize that you know we are dispensable in the world by what we observe through our our, our young years and we have all these superheroes who either get really angry to protect people mm. or they feel all this love and they go out and, and protect people um or they're silent and show no emotion they're stoic you know like your batmans your supermans so you know they, they look at that you look at batman and he, he operates in the darkness so for men to come out into light to be seen it's like, oh, and if you look at Batman as, a, as a, an example, and most men, you ask them, favourite character, Batman, Batman, Batman. So if you think about that from a child point perspective, he does his work in the dark. He can't show his real identity in the light. Um, he's stoic. He doesn't show emotions. When he does come in the light, he wears a mask of success. His success story is flamboyant. It's fast cars. It's big businesses. It's lots of money. It's women. And that story gets reignited in loads of other areas. And bizarrely, the one character that no one associates with the vulnerability is Incredible Hulk. He shows remorse. He shows a side of him that wants to cry, that wants to show affection, but he fights it away. Then where's that familiar in grown men? Yet again, feels feeling, gets in touch with the feminine, and then shuts it all down. Mm. Um, because he then, if you look at it again, men become men look at men majority most men see men unconsciously as competition or threat and if you look at all the cartoon characters that's what's bred into us so even when they start to show emotion batman hulk spider-man whatever it is as soon as they start to soften another man comes along and ru ruins that part of psyche threat war wants to hurt me let me put the mask back on then we bring that into adulthood. I mean, there's all the other things, you know, I'm working with a guy at the moment and probably the last 10 guys I've worked with, this has all come up. The young boys don't, will generally not get affection too much um, unless there's a reward. Mm. So it's like, oh, good boy, you've done this. Um, and then he's given love. So there's also this part of, of a young lad that starts to manifest oh, I must have to do something or be something to become significant, to feel love, to feel reward, to feel closeness, to feel anything that resembles the feminine energy within me has to come from another if I do this. And if I don't do this, I then start to tell my internal self without realizing it, I don't deserve love. 
I don't deserve reward. So what we do is as guys, they'll tend to start to use paths of lack of self-care or self-love or that this polar opposite of like some guys go to the gym as a release, as a punishment. How hard can I push themselves? How hard can I do this? Um, and they think that it's something they're either, you know, the common phrase would be, oh, it's my therapy. It's a release. But it happens day after day, week after week. And, and I often say, it's brilliant. You know, it's great you're going to the gym, but is it punishment or nourishment? Mm. But th- there's a big difference. And if you're continually doing it as a release and as your therapy, then what you really need to do is sit still and start to address what the attachment, what the unconscious pattern is you've got here that you're having to turn up at five o'clock after 10 hours work, not get home to the kids are going to bed, to not spend time on the things you value because something's going on that you feel like the gym is now your therapy place. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'm always going to question, you know, are you there for punishing yourself and dressing it up as, as loving yourself? Or are you actually there to nourish your body and walk out feeling really good about yourself and vibrant rather than getting towards your end of your day and being like, oh, fucking, I'm going to the gym, I'm angry. Rather than, oh, I can't wait to treat my body really looking forward just loving every part of myself because that doesn't happen (laughs) and it comes from all that you know i know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent there nick but it does come from all that young first primitive like first 11 to 14 years everything that happens within that time starts to create the catalyst for why men are challenged um to show their emotions yeah I'd never ever and maybe it's because I don't really watch superhero films but I'd never really thought about it from that viewpoint you know when I when I came up with the questions I've, I'm aware you know like and you see it play out in schools or in home life but with young kids boys are told you know don't cry be strong aren't you brave aren't you don't handsome be, don't, don't be a pussy yeah all that yeah. sort of language yeah um but i hadn't necessarily thought about the reinforcement or some of the the um stronger narratives that come from like the superheroes or some of the stuff the kids are watching i probably i am from a female point of view and when you were saying about all the superheroes the thing that was coming to my mind as a female is the disney world that we grew up in of um any you know the main character in a disney movie is often a princess that needs saving by a man Hmm. so when you said about men being dispensable the disney narrative is almost like women aren't whole without their man you know like it's you know we need someone to look after us or you know we'll be saved you know waiting for a man to save us so it's really interesting you put those two narratives together yeah um like it's almost that neither gender has worthiness or you know from that what we've been told but yeah that blows me away that's fascinating i agree massively with that nick it is it is a twofold thing you know Mm. it's almost like both sexes are conditioned to completely piss against piss up against the wind um and you know it's something i mean you know i've worked with women in the in the past as well but with men it's like oh they'll say oh yeah she's the better half and it's like no like She's not even a, she's not a half of you. Oh yeah, they are, oh yeah, he or she makes me whole. No, like you are already whole. Like, you know, it's that concept as well. It's like, mm-hmm. because you're starting to reinforce then if I can't be whole without him or her, I can't be happy without him or her. When we say, oh, she's my better half. We're basically saying that, oh, I'm the bad half. Mm. 
Mm. It's like having a bubble. It's, you know, it's like having an icon or someone you admire and you, in this case, it's like saying they're my better half. It's like putting us both in a bubble and making that us two being two bubbles in the bubble and then saying, oh yeah, she's the better half. So then she takes up three quarters of that bubble and we shrink ourselves to take up the, the final quarter to say, we're not worthy of this space. Um, I'm not enough. She's bigger than me. She has more attributes. And what we end up doing is putting our other half or whoever it is on a pedestal. And we put someone on a pedestal, we basically line someone up to fail mm. and live up to standards that we create that don't actually exist, all because we magnify our own beauty in the world and don't acknowledge the fact that we're whole anyway. Mm. And when a whole person meets a whole person, is when we don't get the anger, the friction, the emotional turmoil in a relationship, because mm. there's no codependency there. Mm. The, the thing that just came to me when you were saying about the putting someone on a pedestal and, and uh, I suppose, emphasising what they've got to bring to it, it's almost then by default shrinking yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but Isn't this it? goes back to what you said at the start, Nick. If you don't take the time to know yourself, mm-hmm. You don't know you don't know what whose life you're living. Mm. You're just going with a narrative. Yeah, and often if we don't if we don't know our own narrative, we will just so easily adopt societies. You know, it's there. You know, whether it's a superhero movie or a Disney princess film, um, or even things when you were saying about my other the bet my better half or my other half, even stuff like you know, I always think about it. Like you get a plus one. You know, if you get invited to a wedding, you get a plus one. Yeah. As if the you know it, all that sort of narrative and language reinforces that as an individual we're not enough. Yeah. So it is so important to find our own our own narrative and our own uh, knowing who we are and, and walking our own path because if we don't, society will just put us on theirs and uh, and we'll crack on. Yeah, yeah, because the ego, the ego will lend itself to want to to want to go where the masses go. Mm. And, it, and even though the heart will, will throw us signs, the mind will be like, oh, no, you know, we'll play games with us. When we get out of the body and start to go into the head, we'll follow the masses. Because mm. we'll be like, oh, it must be true. Yeah. There must be, there must be what the world's truth is, even though we, in, inwardly we know it's not like my own truth. Yeah. And what do you think? I mean, this may be a hard question to answer, but I'm just going to fire it at you, Rick. How, you know, say, say we were living in a world where more women and men were able to express themselves. Like, what would that world be like? Oh, God, Nick. It's <laughs> incredible. You know, like, incredible. I remember I was on LinkedIn, I think it was yesterday or today, and um, I think with the ladies' football, which has been incredible, um, mm-hmm. like, I have loved, I have loved, loved, loved that World Cup um, on, on such a multi-layered level. Um I think what we have is once communication can be had, and I don't think we're there yet. If I'm honest, I think there's a, a lot of a, LinkedIn posts was a late, like a lot of anger in memes and in posts that although people might associate anger with like berserkness, anger gets stoked um, with provocation from these memes of, Oh yeah, you know, men took, it's taken us 56 yeah. years for the guys to do it. We've done, you know, that stuff like that really isn't helping the cause. Yeah for either sex to feel safe to start holding space for honest emotional um transparent communication 
you know, that all that's doing is is still just trying to reinforce a them and us, a battlefield. And for the amount of time that goes on, the longer we're still going to not be able to sit with each other in a sacred space to have deep, meaningful conversations to start to exact change and start to truly understand each other. Um, like men need a lot of work uh, around our role in the world, uh, myself included. I'm a man and, and I, I completely acknowledge I've got a lot of blind spots that, you know, like I'm learning new things, listening to women's conversation, observing things. You know, I'm, I'm not completely au fait with what it's been like to be a female in the world, you know. Um, as much as I feel like, oh, yeah, I get it now, like something else comes up and I'm like, oh, fuck, I've still got work to do here, mm. you know, and, and I think that goes both ways. You know, I got, I got asked the other day if um, a transgender um, could come into a men's circle that I hold at co-working space. And, and I kind of was like, oh, wow, I haven't been asked. And I tried to make it work. But you know what happened? The men felt super uncomfortable because when we spoke about emotions and psyche, the, the lady or she identifies a man that the, the the person that identifies a man could not understand for love nor money mm. what it was like to go through childhood as a boy mm. and and the psychology of what we'd gathered because he had grown up as a girl mm. and in the end you know we, we had to say that we can't be part of it because the guys who are there now don't feel like it's a sacred space it's safe for them but this this other individual had no understanding and because of the friction that's there, we had to separate it rather than start to invite the conversation. And I feel like in this world, there's no denying that men cause the majority, if not all, of violence, murder, rape. You know, I'm not saying it's, they, we do we cause all of that because we, we we don't. There's so much in the news recently with mothers with their own, you know, misgivings with with children and everything else. Now, you know, we, we see a lot of this in the news, but that's still the minority, you know, and. I think my biggest thing is, I mean, we can talk about anger and stuff in a minute, but my concern is that men have fucked it up for fucking years, Nick, um, with power, with authority, with looking successful. And my fear is we are now, you know, we have one in nine men who take their own life. And we did have one in 21 women. What no one talks about is this silent pandemic of women coming into power, coming into all these roles men have played for the last two or 300 years. But no one's acknowledged the fact that men have fucked it up for two or 300 years. We've been suicidal. We've been, we've been on breakdowns. We've been depressed. And we talk about the great, the great men's mental health. What no one's acknowledging is we've gone from one to 21 to one in 13 women taking their own life. We've gone to more women than ever being prescribed prescription drugs for anxiety, for depression, for breakdowns. And it's like, we're celebrating women coming into the fore and we should do because everything should be fucking equal, but we're celebrating and concentrating on the wrong things. In 10 years time, the shift is going to be women's mental health. One mm -hmm. in seven women are committing suicide because the copy in the model mm -hmm. of what men have done for two or 300 years where they're fighting so hard for equal rights, which is, which is, which is right. The problem is, the majority of this message is to follow the same path to try and overpower men or get at least get equal to where men are. And no one's acknowledging the fact that we've had the wrong model for hundreds of years. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and on, oh, sorry, you carry on. No, I was only going to say, and until someone actually puts light on that and goes, oh, fuck, 
you know, we are, we're probably the nearest you've ever been to someone opening that conversation to then go, oh, wow. Yeah. Never really looked at it like that. Shit. Yeah. You yeah. know, because at the moment, how it stands is men are, are navigating a new identity. Some they don't know, you know, unaware of, like some are stay at home fathers and, you know, that comes with societal judgment. Um, you know, women are going into powerful positions and there's all this big shift and, men are pushing anger and anger and anger and anger down because they don't quite know how to handle, you know, all this stuff that's going on. It's, it's from one and two generations old and then it gets projected. And it's, it's like men then feel like there's this consensus of losing power, of a numbness in their life, of not feeling seen, not feeling heard. And that generally ends up coming out on, on, on the feminine because it's the exertion of control. It's the exertion of authority, whatever it is. And it's, all, and, and it's wrong. Mm. It is wrong. And it's why I think I, I care so much of facilitating spaces where men don't know they're angry. And then we get them into space and we, we uncover some of the unconscious and they realize, wow, I hadn't realized that that time that I'm shouting or that time I've grabbed my missus and shaked and sh like shook her is because when I was seven, my mum left and my dad turned to alcohol. And actually the underlying emotion is that I felt abandoned at seven by my mum and physically. Then my dad turned to alcohol and I felt emotionally unsafe. And I also felt unheard because he was never present. So I never really felt seen or blessed by my dad. That manifests up all through a man's life that when someone has an argument with his wife and he's not used to putting boundaries in place and he has a dominant woman, who's who he deems to be bossy um to control his life and then as soon as he gets conflict he can't hold his boundaries because he hasn't been taught because his own dad couldn't do it he relinquishes the boundaries which means he's got all this anger coming up because he can't stand for it stand up for his own truth against a woman that's actually probably yearning for him to have some boundaries so she can respect him and then what he does is amongst that emotion is the flood of oh my god she wants to walk out for some space which means she's going to abandon me so he grabs her and he's like, oh, I don't want you to abandon me, but I kind of want to stand up for my own beliefs. But I'm stuck in this place where now I'm super angry and I don't, and I don't want to hit you, but I grab you and I'm shaking you and I don't quite know what to do. Mm. And then at what point, as we see in society, some guys tip and that turns into domestic abuse or murder. And that's, and that's that crossover where, where a lot of men don't know there's this deep-seated pocket of anger and violence inside them that's been cultivated from something somewhere down the line that then comes out in this world where we mix with, with a, a, you know, a good, strong female who may also have somewhere in their pattern where she feels like she has to be domineering and she has to be bossy. And if you get two people like that in the, in the societal message of, of women being powerful and men, you know, not which is bullshit you have this just volcanic volcanic concoction mm. yeah and it, there's so much that scribbled like a page of notes on pick some of that right so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go um it's and again it comes back to knowing yourself but knowing and unpicking what your life has looked like as to why and how you show up as you you know we are the way we are because of what's happened to us and we all you know we're all walking through life with different experiences from when we were born up to where we are now and it's just it's making sense of some of that stuff of what you know and trauma is a whole different topic in itself but 
um, it was something I was introduced to, I suppose, even just last year in terms of some of the work Gabor Mate does around the wisdom of trauma and how that effectively, I love how he described it as that suppression of the emotion is the trauma, not always the, the actual thing that's happened to you. It's been able to, it's not being able to express how you feel about that at the time. And then we, we, we bury it down or shove it in a box and just ignore it. But like you've just described, it will come out often an adult who, who'd often really misplaced and we can't, unless we've joined the dots and made the connection, it, it often doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But I, I love what you said. I want to circle back for a second to men with the, like you were saying about the authority and power and how women are trying to embody that a little bit more and move into that space. But men have got it wrong because of all the, the stats that you said around uh, suicide and mental health. And if women follow that path, but it's maybe a bit controversial opinion, but often in life, I sometimes try and reflect back to what it was like in cavemen days, right? Or cave oh. people days in terms of the roles we played. Cause I, uh, as a woman, um, oh, I don't know. I worked in sport before and there was a lot of, a lot around equality in sport. And, and you touched on the, on the women winning the Euros, which was amazing. And yes, there should be equality. There should be more equality in the world. But also, I've, I feel like a lot of women lose sense of what their role actually is. And you, you mentioned earlier about giving birth. Men can't give birth. So about honouring the, the position and the role that women play. We, we can be a chief exec. We can be a leader of an organisation. But we don't have to do it in the way a man does it because we're not a man. And I think, I think when both genders are trying to outpower each other, and try and copycat and, and and it comes back to what we were saying it loses sense of who we are I need to step into a man's shoes to become more successful earn more money be the leader be the boss but actually you do it in the way that's right for you as a woman and honor that so I find like I find this fascinating we could be on I mean this could be the longest podcast we've done today because <laughs> I feel like we could, there's so much to unpick yeah and almost I'm in this like torn place where there's so much complexity to unpicking that and getting getting ourselves and society on the right track that allows everyone to live harmoniously with well you know being well living well feeling success whatever that is for that individual but also so that's quite complex but also just an earning for it to be simplified like shoot it can't be that yes there's work to do to unpick the the trauma and why we are the way we are and and owning and stepping into our power once we know that but I feel like it should just be more simple I, I often wonder whether if people were just more kind and I, and it comes back to that meme thing you were saying earlier and I often I see it online and, and it does get my back up a little bit where we're trying to be kind to one group of people and we're and we're deliberately like society is grouping people which is dividing folk in itself isn't it it's not a whole it's not wholeness um but by by championing one group we're disempowering or shining negativity or mocking or just being generally unkind to another group so it's at the detriment of other people whereas surely we should be lifting everyone up i don't I really know. like all that 
Nick, and you know what I loved about that? It's just Levin, you had the space to just configure that as well. That was beautiful. Um, I think coming back to like one of your earlier points is we've just completely lost touch of how to complement each other. Yeah. You know, like there's a, a so-called natural order. And I do believe, I mean, something I do on, my un- on the Untamed Man um, one day workshops, you know, I, ju- I take them on a journey um, on the journey of man. So it's, you know, part of our exercise on the day is showing them a graph of the last sort of 5,000 years of the journey of man psychologically and what that's done for man, but also during that day to help men understand where women have got to now as well. So I I loosely touch on that. And it is, like you say, that caveman time, we did the journey of man. We were born into the world with fear, fear of survival, fear of, of finding food, fear of shelter, all our basic needs in like Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. um, on them foundations. And as we've moved through time, what that meant was during caveman time, it was so simple. It was like, we had men, we had women, you know, there isn't any of this. I've got an opinion on this. I don't really want to share it on here, but there wasn't this massive confusion of, of what we identify, identify with or whatever else it was. You have male or female, female had attributes male had attributes and we looked at each other and gone okay you're pretty you're you know you can carry that rock to bring that back here to to build the house you know you're really you're amazing and 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 caring that doesn't mean it has to be caring for kids or anything like that because i saw a lot of shit on this today on, on social media it could be the fact you can care for wood by making the fire well that's care as well it doesn't have to be with a baby um and we just were able to identify in each other and complement each other on what our strengths and gifts and talents were and just then lived in harmony mm-hmm. um and then you know as we and i just want to say on this point as well like there's nothing wrong with a female not wanting to have a child the same as nothing wrong with a, a man not wanting to father you know like nurturing we've all got what people want to deny it or not we've all got nurturing inside us we've all got the desire to lead you know we've all got the desire to mother or father it doesn't have to be with kids. Like you can, you can father a business, you know, you can mother and nurture like a home, your own home, even if you're single and a driven, you know, exec, like you use the same qualities in different ways. And I think that back in the day, it was like, if you didn't want to go in that so-called natural order of having a child, I think the tribe recognized that and was just like, yeah, wicked, you know, cool. We're a tribe you know, the men of this tribe are the fathers of the tribe and everyone commits to helping out a child that, you know, comes from this tribe because they recognize that a child born into that tribe has to, as time goes by, has to pay itself back. It's going to be an elder in that tribe. So the men in that tribe all have to father him or her. And the same as the mothers, they recognize they're children of the tribe, not children of an individual or children of couples. And as time moves on, it's almost like we've, we, we feel like we're in our most connected time ever. We feel like you quite rightly said, Nick, like everyone's going off in, in supporting this and this and this and this. And the trouble is with that, what's actually happening is we've got more divide than we've ever had, convincing ourselves that we're more connected than we're ever connected to, mm-hmm. convincing ourselves we're finding our own tribe here and there and everywhere. When actually all we've done is create a massive separation in the world. Yeah. And it kind of comes down from tribe to community to communal to um 
industrial revolution just before that like farming all of this stuff started to create this separation from tribe to community and communal into giving land out to people that then causes friction that goes into industrial revolution that takes man away from the family home and who, how he contributes and what that is loses identity during that because now he he's lost his purpose from being servant to his his community and while that happens woman now has to fill a role of dominant woman in charge of a house um, forced upon her to now have authority come out of that feminine energy and we've got the start of where we are now of this we've started the world as pressure as, as fear to now where we're at we're all in a pressure state mm. pressure of status pressure of money pressure of what our identity is pressure of what should i do versus what do i want to do you know and then there's i mean don't get wrong there's a whole love and fucking information on that on that journey of, of man and woman we could talk about for ages but it's just to give an insight of you know where we went at that caveman age and where you know where we're at now where we feel like we're in this deeply connected time and we've never been more separated mm. and the world um you know the world moves at such a rapid pace and i also often use this um the kind of caveman analogy as well when we're chatting about wellness you know our bodies aren't designed to sit at a desk for 10 hours a day our bodies aren't designed to you know biologically physically eat the process you know don't get me wrong I love a bit of processed food now and again but um (laughs) but we're not you know biologically we're not designed to consume that sort of stuff so we you know it's almost like uh, anatomically and I suppose psychologically we're one thing but the world we're living in it's it's almost um yeah it doesn't fit it's like putting a what's the saying like a round peg in a square hole yeah like we're trying to live in this society and and, and I, I do agree um my sister can is quite passionate and and an ally and goes out and shouts about things and I choose not to because I choose to support everyone and anyone like I don't put people in boxes yeah um I like to think I'm kind to everyone and anyone I come across without having to categorize people in my life and that's my personal choice but I I, I think less dividing and bringing more people together would be you know and I, I have a be in my bonnet about these you know the days or the weeks or the months that we're meant to celebrate people well what are we doing the rest of the year <laughs> it's exactly. about you can't just run a run a one-day campaign think that everyone's got a quality but anyway that's a whole different a whole different topic you touched on um which is a great segue which again wasn't planned but you touched on tribe and community when you were explaining that and I I know we both work a lot with one-to-one clients but I know you're really passionate about group yeah and space and holding communities particularly in that men's I suppose mental health space um what like what's the benefit of community that you've seen or you've experienced or that that you want to share with the listeners i think it comes back nick just like you said it was a great segue um people recognize we're more separate than ever and i think what people want is a true sense of belonging Mm. um a true sense of belonging where they feel like they're seen they're heard they feel safe um so for me you know formulating the, the wolfpack men's community was getting in connection with nature you know look a lot you know a lot world does spend time in four walls in offices in and we've lost connection to to mother nature to the great provider um and all of its elements so when we meet up on the beach on on a saturday morning you know one it's early it's seven o'clock in the morning and that's to you know it's 
I'm, I'm not going to gloss this over. Like it's for committed men. You know, mm. it's, it's for guys that don't need coaxing out of their bed at 6.30 because it's nice and warm and comfortable. It is for men that, you know, are sitting there going, I want to be part of this. You know, I want to, I want to be part of this community. I want to be part of this tribe. Um, it's deliberately set up at seven in the morning for that reason. You know, and, and I think what it brings is the fact that you, we sit in a circle, so there's no hierarchy. Everyone's eye level. No one's standing in this teacher-esque um you and me you know i facilitate the space but i certainly make sure that i'm not the person that's dictating um i just use the skills i have to to facilitate that to encourage a safe a safe space to be able to be seen to talk where you're at right now but more than anything nick i tell you what it's done that's really powerful and this is what every guy keeps coming to me every week you know what rick I can't believe, I can't believe that actually all this time I thought I was alone and the only one that thought these faults. Now you create this circle and you've got like 21 guys there. I can't believe how we all go through the same stuff. We just don't talk about it. And it's like the sense of belonging, Nick, that comes with that. Um, because it's like, oh, wow, I'm actually not on my own in this, you know? And every guy is a mirror of every other. Mm-hmm. You know, and when people can feel that, they know they're grounded and they know that they have something here belonging, not just in that circle, but it talks to the wider society because mm-hmm. they leave that circle and they're able to walk around and be able to be like, you don't know it yet, bud, you're walking past me, but we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's um, it's almost finding... I think with lots of things when we we find out more about ourselves and we want to make a change and we want to transition and expand and evolve and grow there's a journey we have to go on right and yeah. and initially for a lot of people if, if we're talking about that being able to express yourself and share your emotions and your thoughts and if you've never done that before then it is so crucial to find a community and a safe space where you can dip a toe you're supported by other people and then like you said you'll find out other people are going through the very same thing, if not very similar in, in their own um, in their own way. Mm. So it's not a case of, you know, suddenly having the realisation, like, all right, I need to express who I really am and then flicking a switch and then suddenly turning, you know, everyone in your life being like, well, you've changed overnight. That's just not how it happens, is it? No. It's about getting curious with yourself. But I love that about finding and there's amazing people all over you know we're obviously based in the UK and actually one of the other podcasts was a guy who holds a space in Edinburgh in a men's talking circle so there there are amazing people like Rick all over the place holding the space for men and there will be the same for women you know I hear lots of my network holding women's circles and women's spaces it's finding where you're comfortable isn't it to be able to just start that expression journey yeah yeah most definitely um you hit the sink on the head there, Nick. Um, when you said about playing with who you are, mm. you know, saying these safe spaces enable you to do is, you know, you, I mean, I, I have like um, our ground rules, and one of the rules in that is 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 play with your own authenticity. You know, find out about who you are in this circle. You know, because it's how often are we going to get a chance to be in a place to take the mask off? And actually play with actually who really am I away from away from family away from work away from my hobbies 
who am I really? Like, let me play with that person. And don't, I mean, I designed that Saturday morning, Nick. I mean, you know this, like the second half of that morning is about getting in the sea together. And I designed mm-hmm. that on purpose, you know, like a lot of guys have body bullshit, like we all do. I've, I suffered body dysmorphia most of my life. Um, and it, it's about getting in touch with one, taking your shirt off. It's vulnerable. You know, you're worried about being judged. You, you have your own preconceptions and triggers around that. So one is created to, you know, you take that off to realize that actually you're going to go into something wild. So most guys want to fix and control things. Well, they haven't been, a lot of the guys haven't been in the sea for years. So there's the, oh my God, this is going to be cold. You've got this feeling of, oh my God, I need to put a mask on and show I'm brave and it doesn't matter. Um, and then you have this, oh my God, it's the sea. So unconsciously we recognize I can't control this. This is mother nature and I, I can't control you know, that big beast that's out there. And the beauty of it is, Nick, is that everyone comes in. There's no ego. And I make it perfectly clear that like whoever's cold, please like start walking out and let us know because we're, we're a tribe. We all walk out together. Mm. And that happens every week. And we've had guys in the first week show up, come in the sea with a T-shirt on or a wetsuit. And halfway through, because the comfortability of the group and realize there's no dick measuring, ego as you walk out of the sea you suddenly realize the swimsuits come off the t-shirts have come off because everybody's gone into that growth edge we spoke about the start and all these preconceptions of vulnerability has broken down so something as simple as that men's circle on a saturday which is no cost that i've put a lot of thought into to make sure that every guy hasn't doesn't realize until the second third week oh wow this guy just peeled back layers of me without even me realizing it um yeah something i'm really proud of i love that and it, it you know it, it is um it's i suppose it's the benefit of coaching or coaching skills you know you take your your skills and strengths and knowledge into that that group environment but i'm sure you do it with your one-to-one clients as well it's it's taking people on a journey um and helping them navigate and get to get to places that they would never get to by themselves um that's a bit that i love about coaching i wouldn't have made the discoveries about my own um, journey or past or how I am the way I am without without my amazing coach so it's just there are support there's support out there for people that want to go on on that journey and and to truly express themselves Ricky what would be your one you know if people are listening to this and thinking um right I, I feel up for it like I feel like I need to take my mask on and express myself what would be like your top tips or you kind of like how to get started Good question. My first thing I'll take would be cut away the distractions. Mm. You know, go go a weekend, go a week without every social media, go for a week without the news. Um, it'd be number one. Number two, try and connect with nature uh, as best you can. For 10 minutes if you've got it, an hour, whatever. Whatever time you've got, try and reconnect with nature again, whether it's a walk in the woods, a walk along the beach, you know, anything like that. Um, my third would definitely be what can you do that's simple but uncomfortable Mm. you know something that's going to allow you to start to be start to be whether it's a 20 second quick flash of the cold water under your shower you know something where you've got to find out about yourself do you panic do you start to quickly breathe and it induces anxiety and you think you can't cope, you know, 
find that little edge, something as simple as 20 seconds under the cold water to find out a bit about yourself uh, would be my immediate three. And then obviously four would be, you know, go and source people, source someone, source a coach, source a mentor, source a, a workshop, you know, where you can journey it together because going it alone is incre incredibly lonely. It, you make a lot of mistakes. Um, it's, it's so much easier to go where there's other similarly minded people to help you when you want to commit to that journey. And, I, and that's a big thing for me, Nick, is everybody talks about wanting to do something. Very few actually put the hand up and go, I'm in. Mm. I'm committed. I'll talk about it and I can keep talking a good game. But until that commitment's a big thing for me, um, is that you have to be willingly committed to, to doing this. Yeah. And, and I think that that last part is, you know, whether it's whether you go to a group workshop to to learn more around other people whether you do decide to work with somebody one-to-one -one, um it's incredibly easier to when you choose that one person you're going to work with to do your research you know like where have they been what have they done what have their challenges been what have they overcome uh, have they walked a path that i'd like to be on you know, and I, I had this conversation with someone this morning where they've tried coach after coach after coach. And when we've investigated why we feel like it hasn't worked, they haven't made a conscious effort to just do some homework and have a conversation and go, this is where I want to get to. Yeah, I, res I really deeply resonate with that person. You know, I, I love the qualities about them and, and what they've overcome and what they're embodying and what they live in because of their experiences. And that, that rings true for me. I think that's a mistake some people get. They can get really excited by wanting to start. And they go, yeah, I'm going to get a coach. And it's like, give yourself some space. Observe a handful of coaches for four weeks first. Like, you know, that's when to utilize social media. That's when to utilize LinkedIn or Google and start to do your homework on someone because it is an investment of time. You know, I don't, money's money, but it's the time you're never getting back. You know, the world's, the universe is covered in, in dollar. Like it's everywhere. You know, it's our own money bullshit and money issues that make us think it isn't there, but it's everywhere. And we're all, we can recoup that. And money's not really got a lot of meaning really to the other things that matter in life, but you're never getting the time back. Yeah. So if, you, if you're going to invest, take the time to find the person that you're going to spend all that time with. Yeah. I love it. And the, uh, your, your four points, actually, we're all about investing in yourself. And I wrote down invest in you before you even mentioned it. So we're on the right, we're on the right wavelength. I love what you said about connect with nature. And actually, this is a little anecdote, but I went to the beach the other weekend. And in Scotland, it's not quite as warm as it probably is down with you, <laughs> you guys doing your Saturday morning uh, into the sea. And I thought, well, I'll take my flip-flops off and do a bit of grinding, which is just, you know, barefoot in nature. And my feet were absolutely frozen. But I, pers <laughs> I, per I persevered, but a beach in Scotland is not quite as, uh, as uh, yeah, as glamorous or as warm as it maybe is down south. Although there's lots of people that get in the water up here as well. So it's just, like you say, finding the right community and, and the people you want to surround yourself with to go on that journey. Yeah. Rick, thank you so much. We started this in daylight and it's now pitch black. <laughs> <we are. laughs> um, so thank you so much for your time and, um, and sharing all your wisdom and thoughts with us on the podcast. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. I just want to just going to quickly give a shout out where anyone can find me. Um, website's www.rick.com 
uh, underscore cooper.com. Um, 24th of September, I have the next Untamed Man um, day workshop, men only, obviously. Um, check that out, it's on the website. And uh, yeah, Nick, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved it. I feel like we could have gone for at least another hour. So, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll share your links and stuff in the in the show notes as well. So you can fire them over and I'll, and I'll add you. them in. But thank you so much and uh, take care. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that next week you can join us again.